Hello, I'm Hilary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Renee Dudley and Daniel Golden, authors of the new book, The Ransomware Hunting Team, a band of misfits in probable crusade to save the world from cybercrime. You can find Renee and Daniel's new book on Amazon, as well as other major retailers, including Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. Welcome, Renee and Daniel. It's so great to have you both with us today. Great to be with you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, nice to be here. So firstly, I guess I'd like to say congratulations on this book, and I'm very excited to speak to you both about it. Before we dive in on that, though, I think it would be helpful for our audience to know a little bit more about each of you and your backgrounds. So I guess starting with you, Renee, can you tell us more about yourself and your background? Sure. I'm a technology reporter at ProPublica, and I started at ProPublica in 2018. Prior to that, I'd been at a variety of places, most recently Reuters, where I had been working on investigations of corporations. And that's where I first got the idea for looking into cybercrime, because I was hearing from organizations, CISOs, that their employers were being increasingly hit by ransomware. And sometimes they're covering it up because they didn't want it to become public. And I got interested in the crime of ransomware. Excellent. And Daniel, uh, how, how about you? How did you, uh, how did your paths meet and how did you guys, you know, what was your background leading up to the authoring the book with Renee? Well, I'm a senior editor and reporter at ProPublica and author of a couple books, including uh, The Price of Admission. And in 2018, I became tech editor at ProPublica and I hired Renee because we had worked together at Bloomberg, and I knew what a wonderful reporter she was. And uh, when I had a meeting at my house with her and the other members of the tech team to talk story ideas, Renee brought up cybercrime and ransomware. And uh, a couple of the other reporters were dubious. They said, oh, it's the attacks aren't for much money, and it's not really a U.S. problem because they're attacking from outside the U.S. But you know, I was very confident Renee would dig in and... Uh, find the U.S. angle. And of course, she did. And also, the amounts of money for which ransomware attacks have, are demanding has gone up tremendously since then. And in the early days, it was small attacks on individuals for a few hundred dollars. Now it's on businesses and hospitals and schools and corporations for hundreds of thousands or millions or tens of millions of dollars. So as we worked on it, and as Renee looked into it, and then uh, you know, the problem got worse and worse and more and more worthy of a book length study. Yeah, absolutely. The, the problem is certainly even just over the past few years exponentially exploded. So I guess to get into the book and, and whomever wants to start, I, this is very free flowing, um, but I guess tell us about a little bit more about the book than, than what you've shared so far and, you know, more about perhaps what inspired you both to to write it because you you both you do, in addition to covering ransomware, you both do a great job of tackling the opportunity to demonstrate to the reader kind of the complexities of different unassuming cyber heroes, as you so put it. So I, I want to learn more about that from both of you. Well, like Dan mentioned, we were both convinced that there was a U.S. angle to the ransomware story beyond the fact that there are so many victims here. And as we dug in, this was back in 2018, you know, when, when I was reporting for ProPublica, it turned out that there certainly is a U.S. angle. On the one side, there's all kinds of U.S. businesses from 
cybersecurity firms, these data recovery firms that help vic, you know, that purport to help victims recover their files, but sometimes they're actually scamming them, to the insurance industry and more. But one of the most interesting stories we did in that series had to do with Michael Gillespie, who's the star of our book. Michael's a part of this global team called the Ransomware Hunting Team that for free and in their spare time work to decrypt ransomware and develop tools that victims can use to recover their files without having to pay hackers. And me and Michael crossed paths for the first time very early on in the reporting. Everybody that I spoke to about who had any passing interest in ransomware said that I needed to talk to this this guy who goes by the online handle DemonSlay335. He's the world's best at looking at ransomware and at helping victims recover. So I, I tracked Michael down to his nerds on call IT repair shop in normal Illinois. And we started talking and as time went on, it was clear that, yeah, this is a humble guy who is just doing this out of a sort of public service mentality. And I went to go meet him in Illinois just through the course of the reporting, wanting to learn more about ransomware. When I was there, I was really blown away by his circumstances and by his intense dedication to this effort. We talked about how he is a part of this global team and all of these people are working together to save millions of victims from paying billions of dollars to hackers. But what was almost more impressive is the circumstances that he was doing this work in. His He greeted me from his front porch swing of a kind of rundown house in a working class neighborhood. And he shared with me his struggles of sometimes having a hard time making ends meet, having to shut off his electric one month so he could pay his water bill and then switching off the month after that of almost losing his home and having to surrender a car to the bank and of beating cancer. And he's doing all of this work for victims who will never know his name while dealing with this onslaught of personal crises at home and just not missing a beat when it came to the ransomware. And so it went from being, you know, a visit to learn more about the technical aspects to becoming this personal story. And I called Dan, who was, of course, my editor from the airport in Bloomington, in the Bloomington Normal Regional Airport. And I said, this guy, he, he's really interesting. And I think he himself and the work of his team could make a good story. And, and you know, this, is, I mean, it, it turns out to be just a remarkable story, not just of him, but of the dozen or so members around the world of the ransomware hunting team. I mean, these are ordinary people coming from backgrounds of poverty and abuse, facing a lot of struggles. They're underdogs fighting against these gangs and syndicates of ransomware attackers, and yet they've had these remarkable successes. I mean, they're almost uh, real-life superheroes in that sense. They're, they're ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Yeah, that's incredible. And so, you know, what was it like for you both as um, to just learn more about 
how ransomware was unfolding, you know, Renee, you kind of brought this to, to Daniel's attention in that meeting that Daniel talked about, but did you have awareness of this is such a problem before? And then as you started to meet with these different cyber fighters and the ransomware hunting group, you know, did a hunting team rather like, were you taken aback or I guess I'm just kind of curious what the reaction was because it is so such a large problem but it was one that perhaps folks didn't necessarily know about um, until more more recently right well in 2018 it was really this is when it was just starting to pick up when Dan and I first talked about it it was right around the time that a gang called Ryuk made some of the first six-figure ransom demands. And now that's, you know, nobody even blinks at that because it's so routine and the demands have climbed into the millions or tens of millions or heard of even more than that. But it was starting to gain traction um, then. As time went on, we had bad for society, but, you know, interesting for the book, it only got worse the gangs got more organized. They started to specialize. They did intelligence gathering before they hit their targets so they'd be all around inside their targets networks, learning if they had cyber insurance, figuring out how much that insurance would cover in terms of a ransom demand, and then pegging their demands to the coverage. They got savvier and savvier, and the ransoms kept rising and rising. The stakes grew higher. The targets got bigger and more sensitive. And the team had to evolve along, right along with the crime and take on bigger and bigger targets that, you know, criminal enterprises that, you know, evidence is certainly mounting, you know, that some of them even have ties to enemy governments. I, I also, I had a couple of experiences that really brought home to me the impact of ransomware. One was going to Baltimore and reconstructing a major ransomware attack on that city that happened in 2019. And the, the hackers demanded a ransom of $80,000, but the mayor didn't want to pay criminals and refused. And so the hack devastated large aspects of city services. People couldn't sell or buy homes in Baltimore because the the necessary documents weren't available. All kinds of services were uh, either shut down or slowed. And it took months and months for the city to recover. The city ended up spending anywhere from 10 to $20 million instead of paying that $80,000 ransom. And there was political fallout for the mayor who lost for reelection. So it basically uh, hamstrung an entire city. I also talked with patients at hospitals that had been hit by ransomware. And these hospitals, because of that, they couldn't access their diagnostic equipment. They had to go on paper records. And if patients needed immediate help or treatment, often they had to be transferred. So I talked to a, a guy who had a brain tumor and, and he was being treated at a, at a rural Oregon hospital, but it was so uh, affected by a ransomware attack that they had to transfer him to a hospital 100 miles away. And every day, his wife had to drive him those 100 miles over the hills of Oregon to this other hospital to get his treatment. And it was just uh, horrifying. And so uh, you get this real sense of how ransomware, uh, yeah, once it was mostly uh, a, few, a few hundred bucks and maybe a student lost their term paper or something like that. Now the, the impacts are 
the repercussions are, are uh, really impactful and harmful to a whole range of people and organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some really solid examples. And so for the the ransomware hunting team, and apologies if I missed this or can't put the you know dots together, but I'd like to ask you both, how are they helping folks? Are they kind of helping decrypt you know data that's been held hostage from folks at ransom or or are they helping to recover file like how are they helping different people small and medium sized businesses what have you well that's exactly right that's that's what their mission is they find chinks vulnerabilities uh chinks in the armor of of the the, the ransomware code, and they seize on them. So if the hackers and hunters, they all have the same skills, they're adept at cryptography, they know how to find vulnerabilities in systems, and the, the hackers use it for evil, but the hunters, they use it for good. And when the cryptography is perfect, there's very little that the hunters can do to crack the code. But you know, like anyone, the hackers make mistakes. And when they make mistakes in their code, that's when the hunters can pounce and find those vulnerabilities that help them crack the code. And once they do that, they develop these tools that victims can use to get their files without having to pay the hackers. And Altogether, they've broken hundreds of strains of ransomware uh, since they've been active um, starting in 2016. Wow, that's awesome. And so you have both touched and explained upon the gravity of, of the situation as far, especially as far as dollars go. And um, we here at Cybersecurity Ventures have recently, we've put together the numbers and predict that by 2031, ransomware will cost victims $265 billion annually, and it will attack a business consumer or device every two seconds. So based on what you both know and learned throughout this process and beyond, you know, what do you think about the projection and the future of the ransomware landscape? We think that it's probably just going to get worse. For one thing, as we said, the hunting team is probably the most effective force against it. But in a way, they're making the ransomware in the long run better and more sophisticated. The reason is that when they find a flaw in the coding and they start providing the key to victims so they don't have to pay the ransom, the criminal gangs notice you know, sooner or later, hey, we're not getting paid. Somebody must have cracked our code. And they go back and they review it and they find the mistake and they fix it. And now it's impregnable and nobody can do anything about it. So in a certain way, the hunting team functions as kind of beta testers for the, the criminals. And so it's getting harder and harder to crack the codes that the hackers use. And then as Renee referred, it's uh, a situation where they're seem to be closer and closer to various government regimes, including the the Putin regime. And as they go in now and freeze the files, before they do that, they often steal information. And they'll post that information. Sometimes it's just employees uh, or, or student information, but they could also, the information they steal could also be national security information, So and then which they could provide to their government sponsors. So we might be looking at a future where ransomware gangs now are collecting huge amounts of money, as your data suggests, and also pose a potential national security threat. So it's very worrisome. Incidentally, on one interesting note, toward the end of our work on this book, our own publisher got hit by ransomware and got uh, you know essentially 
taken down for a few days, McMillan. And so, you know, it came quite close to us personally. We we don't know if it's anything to do with the fact that we were doing this book, but it's just another reminder of how omnipresent ransomware has become. Yeah, absolutely. That's quite a happenstance that that would happen to Macmillan as you're publishing this book. That's interesting. I wonder. Well, I guess with that, I, I'll ask you both just a very open-ended question. Is there anything else either of you would like to share with our audience about the book and, and what you found or anything at all? You know, I think readers of this book will find it, and the reviews have suggested, that it's a very compelling narrative about this unassuming, humble group of people who uh, are slaving, you know, for free to keep people safe. At the same time, it's a a story uh, through them, through that narrative, we tell the story of the entire arc of ransomware from its invention in the, uh, you know, 30 years ago by a guy named Joe Pop, who was a kind of Harvard PhD, uh, primatologist, African adventurer, who uh, had a greedy side and, and invented ransomware and at the height of the AIDS epidemic sent a bunch of uh, disks to thousands of AIDS researchers saying, this is AIDS education. But when they put it in their computer, a note came up and said, uh, your computer's been frozen, uh, send 400 bucks to a post office box in Panama. So we traced the history, whole history of ransomware from him through the uh, uh, and looking at the hunting team and but through the entire growth and explosion of ransomware. And we also, and Renee can speak more about this, we can look at also why it the responsibility lands on a private group of misfits like the hunting team to thwart ransomware and why uh, you know federal law enforcement has been ineffective. Well, not just federal law enforcement, but this this group is really filling a void left by American society at large. If you look at the typical organizations and sectors that would be dealing with this kind of threat, we, we explain why they've more or less been ineffective. On the one side, there's federal law enforcement, most notably the FBI, which has not gotten a handle on ransomware. You know, as ransomware was gaining traction in the early years, the demands were relatively low and according to agents who were there at the time, FBI officials dismissed it as an ankle biter crime. They viewed it as something that the geek squad cyber division of the Bureau would handle and not as a real threat. And as time went on, it became clear that the threat was really serious. But by that time, they were behind the curve. And beyond law enforcement, there's the the cybersecurity sector. Now, There's firms that help victims recover from ransomware, get their files back, help them negotiate and transact ransom payments. And that's a necessary service that's cropped up for victims who are in a bind, maybe don't have great backups and have no other way to get out of it if the ransomware hunting team hasn't come up with a decryptor other than to pay the ransom. But the thing with them is that as ransomware proliferates and hackers get paid, so do they. So the hunting team, by virtue of the fact that, they, that they're doing this for free, they're oftentimes the last best hope for victims, you know, in containing the threat of ransomware, you know, for society at large. Renee and Daniel, 
it's been such a pleasure speaking with both of you. Thank you so much for joining me today and telling us more about your book, The, the Ransomware Hunting Team, Abandoned Misfits and Probable Crusade to Save the World from Cybercrime, and um, just telling us more about what went into it, the work that went into it, and all of the people you met and the experiences that you had. Just a lovely episode with both of you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks very much. I'm Hillary McClure. Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Renee Dudley and Daniel Golden, authors of the new book, The Ransomware Hunting Team, A Band of Misfits, Improbable Crusade to Save the World from Cybercrime. You can find Renee and Daniel's new book on Amazon, as well as other major retailers, including Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. And you can listen to all of our podcast episodes at cybercrime.radio.